0: You're watching Channel 37. WHXN. New Salem. It's spooky season on Channel 37's midnight movie show. Nothing's more fun on Halloween night than getting home early and watching the news. First up, set the Wayback Machine for either 1987 or 2013, in the WNUF Halloween special. After that, We're going to break some genial British presenters in Ghostwatch.
1: Hello, and welcome to Spooky Season on the Channel 37 Midnight Movie Show. I am Dan, and with me are Dave. Hello. Mike.
2: Hello. Wendy.
3: Hello.
2: And Will. Commander Robert Dandridge would like you to listen to this podcast. (laughs) And if you have no idea what
1: the hell Will is talking about... It is found footage night on the Channel 37 Midnight Movie Show.
2: Don't check your dial, folks. You didn't tune into Transylvania's public access station. No, sir. Tonight is Halloween.
4: Halloween is Satan's night. The night of the devil. Reporter Frank
1: Stewart has a special Halloween treat in store for viewers tonight.
4: He'll be leading a group of
1: paranormal experts to the infamous Weber House. Do you know what happened here in the Weber House? Some people
2: got killed. Their son went haywire.
0: Frank Stewart and his team of experts will conduct the first ever live on TV seance.
4: Evil works in mysterious ways, Frank. It's unpredictable. Are there any spirits in the house? It's scary.
3: That, that, that's far out. Something
4: strange going on in this house animal mutilation, paranormal disturbance, devil worship. Wait, whoa, hold on. This is not stage. Hello? Is this the work of the devil?
1: Folks, we are going where no camera crew has
3: gone before.
4: Father, perform the exorcism!
5: This is not some Halloween prank. The grisly evidence of the supernatural is real.
4: We'll be right back.
1: You're watching the WMUF Halloween Special. We're going to do this a little differently, I think, Wendy. um, Can you kind of, (laughs) can you real quick just kind of get into what we're talking about today?
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to start today with the WNUF Halloween special. It's a 2013 film um, presented as a VCR recording of a local TV station sending a crew to a haunted house on Halloween. Um, Locals are familiar with the house and know it for its paranormal activity. The host enters the house um, with a team of paranormal investigators and a priest. Um, And despite some um, apparent fakery, they uh, definitely find that there is something very dangerous inside the house. And the film ends with uh, the crew and the uh, on-air host missing. The kind of like the hook of the film or, or the thing that's delightful about the film. Is that it's presented as as found footage um, from the 1980s. It's meant to be like a home recording on a the VCR. Um, they did a really great job aging the video and the film. And the um, film also includes period commercials, some of which we get to watch, um, and some of which are sped through like we were actually watching at home on a VCR.
1: Okay, thank you, Wendy. Was this anybody's first time seeing this? Hey, me, and Mike. Okay.
5: Um, I don't know why I put my hand up. This is audio.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I want to hear what everybody has to say, but honestly, Mike is the one that I really want to <laughs> get going. What did this. I do? You did nothing. You did nothing. <laughs> but I'm very interested. What, 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 were you, what were your What were
4: your reactions here? What well, I watched, I watched these in the opposite order. Mm-hmm. So this was the second one I watched. Mm-hmm. The reason I mentioned that is because um, the first one – being actually created contemporaneously to when it was set mm-hmm. i thought was wonderful it you know they didn't try to do a fake period piece when i started this one having already thought that that's why i mentioned this mm-hmm. and i'm like oh it's clear this is supposed to be sometime in the 80s can they really pull this off mm-hmm. they did i really like i think maybe only once and i'm kind of guessing uh just trying to remember did i get pulled out and go oh no this actually was was 20. 15 2013 2013 2013 did i feel that it was a little more modern um but beyond that this was like a fucking joy (laughs) (laughs) i mean the way it world builds by giving you legit like 20 something minutes of a local news broadcast commercials and all telling you who these people are they're doing this silly halloween special setting it up that way showing you the community through the commercials the people that live there the um the people who are against halloween will say building all that up as seeming background noise before you actually get to the special part of it just it really just pulled you in so seamlessly to what was going on here um yeah this was this was fucking brilliant i love this i will be watching this again nice Yeah, and I just I just want to say one thing. In the spirit of those uh, news hosts, um, the font I'm using for my notes today, Helvetica. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave. I'll leave. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Oh, we'll definitely get into that. Um,
2: I'm going to bounce over to Will first. Uh, Will, I know you've seen this before. Can you talk to me about it? So yeah, this is like, this is one of my yearly rewatches for the Halloween season. Like I, it's not Halloween season if I don't watch WNUF at least once. And I mean, for me, like what I really love about this special film is that it, it, I love. VHS tapes. I just love, you know, finding, like, an old VHS tape that still has the commercials intact, going through, watching those, watching, you know, some poorly degraded, like, recording of Knight Rider 2000 or something. (laughs) Literally, I have a tape someplace of that, and anywho, back to the point. Um, I just, uh, but yeah, no, so it, like, really captures, like, that spirit, like, you know, it has, like, the cheesy local ads, it has, like, you know, the It has the, like, oh, here's a syndicated episode of a a sitcom, and here's the ad for it. It has, like, you know, the cheesy local announcers and everything. Like, it has just about everything I love about VHS, while not, you know, ever feeling like it's... It's just you know trying to capture nostalgia. It's trying to capture nostalgia, but it's not you know the what we've talked about a lot of times of oh it's the eighties. Everyone's wearing you know d- dressed like Debbie Harry or <laughs> Tiffany. Like everyone, it, like they took the time to find stuff that feels like the eighties and tried to recapture it instead of just oh stuff that. It's kind of like the eighties how people in the nine how people in the two thousands think the eighties looked.
1: Like I wanna say there was like one person dressed as Madonna, but it was a Halloween costume, so it yeah. actually made sense.
5: <laughs> uh Dave, how about yourself? What did you think? I really enjoyed this. Um obviously didn't know much about it going in. Um obviously initially sort of like going through all the commercials and stuff like that, kind of going uh uh, i I hadn't realized this was this was as recent as it was. Mm-hmm. I thought this might be like a nineties thing or something, but so the, the, they did an incredible job of making this look authentic and like how sort of like I'd say like eighty five percent of this is just goddamn hilarious <laughs> it's so fun- like like a lot of the like the fake commercials are really funny, like the fake t v programs which are clearly done on a shoestring budget and they're meant for just kind of like a local syndication like uh, was, uh, what's that detective show one of the detectives was called The Badger or something like. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, called like, Chicago Lightning or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was, uh, I watched the shit out of all of these terrible shows <laughs> <laughs> and I really loved the guy playing the main report was it Frank something Frank Stewart Frank Stewart that's it um yeah, he was amazing. It just sort of like... that. Kind of, he had a very kind of Adam Partridge energy mm. of just kind of like the, the the reporter who's desperately trying to keep everything on track in the face of all the oddballs and silly people and sort of like... Yeah, this, this is a really ramshackle production and <laughs> he is trying to keep this on track as much as possible because, <laughs> God damn it, this is his time to shine. Yeah. <laughs> and everything from his... Like, he's interviewing to all the people on the outside of the house, you know, in in the costumes, to the, you know, like the the getting the shit scared out of everybody's producer and rolling his eyes at the um, protesters and and (laughs) the the entire thing of him trying to keep the seance going in the face (laughs) of just nothing but crank calls or nobody calling at all. (laughs) <laughs> Just eventually asking if ghosts have some stock tips or something, like. <laughs> the, which obviously, when it when it all goes kind of super dark towards the end, actually means it lands as well as it does because you know you you've been lulled into this what is kind of this silly world of yeah, you know, this silly little local news program trying to cover the supernatural, which suddenly goes extremely dark towards the end. In a way that really works, you know, it's, it's a it's a really creepy ending. So yeah, I thought it was really effective.
0: Nice. Uh, and Wendy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a delight. I I love that they you know made the decision to film it like as if it was in the eighties. They really lead into it, and they absolutely did a good job. Like Will was saying, when people look back in the eighties, they think like Memphis, they think like the look of Saved by the Bell. It was just really brown it was really really brown there was a lot of paneling and shag rugs that our parents hadn't replaced yet and um mm-hmm. this this looks like the 80s the, the thing that i love about this film is the paranormal investigators they bring and how they interact with them and t- kind of treat them disrespectfully and i think that they're, they're based on the warrens which were kind of like a famous paranormal investigator couple here in the u.s um and they are so they're so serious and they're so indignant when they're disrespected. And I love the devotion <laughs> to their their psychic cat shadow. Mm-hmm. Um but it is, it is a really it's a it's a it's a fun little weird little film made for a budget of like 1500 dollars
5: <laughs> Yeah. I mean I, it, it's one of those things where like you can see how you could make this on the shoestring, And still and if anything, the fact that it's made on a shoestring kind of adds to the authenticity. Cause like, yeah, I I assume sort of local TV stations back then would have <laughs> It's like 15000 dollars would be considered to be like a like an absolute gold mine. That's like we never had a budget that big, <laughs> so so yeah, it, it's really well put together.
1: Yeah, I mean that number, that fifteen hundred dollar number, is like just staggering to me. But like, and I was reading an in interview where he was like, I mean, there were probably times when I threw in a little bit extra without realizing it, or the uh, producer went to the store and bought something that was off budget, but yeah. So like, maybe it might've been $2,500, but it was still, <laughs> <laughs> but this, this was still like, like as my, like, like the dictionary definition of micro budget. And it was just like, like he wanted to go all, out, was super authentic. He shot it on super VHS, you know, like you would at a TV station in the late eighties, you know, Um, Oh, I mean, it was my own thing. I mean, I love this movie. I've seen this this several times at this point. I don't even know exactly how often, but and 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 for me, the the horror aspect of it is is cool, and I love that it kind of has a super slow burn before it starts to get you know get pretty serious in like the last quarter. But yeah, it's it's the recreation of the '80s. I mean, it's just like the most painstaking recreation of the '80s I've ever seen in a movie. You know, with a possible exception of *Sensor*. *Sensor* was also like super careful about the look and, and and the feel of the 1980s in the movie. But like it would have been so easy to like say, "Oh, that's good enough," you know. But no, is this this absolutely 100%. I was never. It's very easy to kind of get into the feel, like get into the headset of I'm watching something from the 80s in this movie. And I don't think anything happens that ever takes me out of it. Um, and the actual, like, the horror of it, I really enjoy because, you know, every now and then, like, something terrible will happen. And this is a like, quick cut to commercial. And it'll be just one of these, you know, hilarious, cheesy commercials that, again, feel very true to the time. Like, every local town has a furniture warehouse or a rug store, you know, or some kind of local entrepreneur that, that, you know, has a couple hundred bucks in a, in a camcorder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, they just, they just, they just feel great. Um, And I love to, again, the, the character Frank Stewart, I really enjoy because again, every local station or every city has somebody that like, maybe had a chance to go national a few years ago and it never happened for them. And now they're just kind of stuck doing these things and they're like super sarcastic and not taking it seriously and being kind of like under their, like under their breath, very condescending to the locals, you know, and Frank is just rolling his eyes and (laughs) making fun of people when they're not clearly picking up on what's, what's happening. And, like him uh interviewing the 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 you know the kids standing in front of the house that are all in their costumes is painful to watch because he's trying so hard to make something happen in that in that interaction and it's just it's just like these
4: people are just not giving him anything (laughs) there's that one dude who's he's just like hey why are you here at the murder house and he's just long uncomfortable pause (laughs) There was a murder in this house, or whatever he says. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, that's why we're here. And then they cut back and he's just like, I know video He's yeah. on an audio medium, but he's just sitting there completely dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a completely dunderhead, you know, not, not even knowing why he's there. He's just there because the camera was there and he was in costume. You
1: know. To kind of go off to the side, the director of this, I mean, he's on other things. He and his wife have a show. His wife. Is a horror host in Baltimore named Aurora Gorialis. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Excellent. And she's like kind of like a Elvira, but like, what if Elvira was a slightly inebriated socialite? <laughs> <laughs> and mostly they do a live show, but they do stuff um, on the internet and things like that as well. And that vampire guy is like a regular character on that show.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> like the super awkward vampire guy telling bad jokes and afraid of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this has nothing to do with this show. Recent, very recently, like as we're recording, it's like within the last few months, I want to say Terror Vision released. There's a 90s shot on video horror film called uh, Cannibal Camp Out. Um, again, very 90 shot on hard. You know, just it's on VHS, lots of blood, lots of gore, no production value whatsoever. It's not a great movie. But one of the special features that you can watch it as them, the Aurora Gorealis hosting it. And it's fantastic.
0: Just that like that sounds amazing, and I would like to see that piece. Can we make that happen? <laughs>
2: I'm I'm we lucky can. enough that like <laughs> one of my local like used video stores, ha- literally they are they have a thing where it's just, in the store where it's literally just like hey do you have any videos of old horror hosts please we are we will buy them from you mm-hmm. and they and usually they will digitize them and sell them basically for nothing. <laughs>
1: And will I know you too? Because you live like like you, Ohio is like horror host central. Like every major city has a horror host in Ohio.
2: Yeah, it's like I, crazy. like where I grew up, we had um two big two major ones that I can remember. Like that. Well, there was Big John and Little John. Mm-hmm. Um, who they also did like they did like the little sketch segments like that had nothing to do with the movie. But we also had um the Son of Ghoul, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, same chick as Sven Gooley. I think like they came they that they are both kind of derived from the same guy on the goal back in mm-hmm. like the fifties and sixties, I want to say.
1: And I know that there's a lot of like I know that Lenora yeah. who's the host of now she's on um The Midnight Rental with the Fun Footage guys uh started out in Cincinnati. Um
2: yeah. and and I, I know that there's a lot more. I just did not come to yeah. mind, but and I know cool. Dayton had like a few way back in the day, but they were before like I actually moved to the area, so I never got a chance to enjoy any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and actually, uh, Aurora, her name uh, Melissa, uh, Melissa LaMartina, was in this. She was the mom in the sitcom, like you know, the Tom Hanks is drinking, yeah. vanilla extract.
5: Yeah. <laughs> the, our, our, our... Even I recognize that from Family Ties.
1: She was, she was the mom in that. Hmm. And she's actually the star in the sequel because there's a sequel to this that came out earlier this year. Oh, last year. The uh, the out there
4: Halloween mixtape, mega tape. (laughs) Is it a spiritual sequel, or does it answer some of the questions that are left open?
2: It's it's explicitly
4: WNUF, just in the '90s, mm -hmm. but. I really don't want to spoil this, but if we do, we do. But does it answer what happens at the end? Does it say, you know, we know, but I mean, do the people find out, I guess? There are references. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Again, without wanting to spoil it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's also also very good. And also, as successful as this was in emulating the 80s, the sequel is just as successful in doing the 90s especially fox it's a totally 90s fox production okay you know like you will recognize it immediately <laughs> like you and know unless you're I'm, willing to shell out for a dvd you're never going to see it well there's also that <laughs> yeah and it's only available on dvd oh and and i think there's a vhs as well yeah like, they, did not, they, did they did not
2: they did not do they did not do a blu-ray at least as of yet no. Oh. And I know, like WNUF was on Shutter for a few years before they took it down. And one other thing, and I'll and I'll move on is the um the deep the
1: Blu-ray of of WNUF Halloween special for years had a slipcover that looked like a VHS, like a generic VHS cover they've recently like just this month as we record this have come out with a second one where it looks like an old TV guide house ad <laughs> and <Nice>. it's great. <laughs> nice. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like let's talk about, let's talk about the, um, the couple, the, um, the exorcists or, or not the exorcists, but the paranormal investigators. What are we, uh, I mean, I, th- I think they're fantastic. What, is, what does anybody else have
5: anything on them? Oh yeah, agreed. Like I mean, the, the, they're initially introduced with all the shtick you would expect from people kind of making a living out of this sort of thing, and then seeing them slowly lose their shit more and more as stuff gets more and more real, and they realize <laughs> they kind of realize that something maybe is going on, and this isn't just. Then touching the wall and saying "there's bad vibes here" just <laughs> when their equipment gets gets um, smashed up, and that's pretty much all the guy can talk about from then on. <laughs> from then on, constantly badgering Frank about who's going to pay, pay for their EVP equipment. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought they were like, fantastic. They were all, they were both kind of really good foils for for Frank.
2: Like they have no sense of humor, they have no chill whatsoever. Like they are they are strictly professional. If it is a con if it is a con, they have long since con themselves out of believing it's one.
4: Yeah, to use a wrestling phrase, they work themselves into a shoot. I was thinking These exactly people. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe it was always maybe it was always a shoot for them, you know, because they like their seriousness is what sells it. You know, this This really isn't a scam for them. They so are bought into what they're doing. I'm of the belief that they always thought they were being serious here, you know. Um, And so when everything just goes completely topsy-turvy for them with the equipment and then what else happens that gets them to leave, you're like, I, you know, I didn't necessarily take that as like things got too rough there or too real there and they left. It's this something something different is going on here than what they're used to. It's, it's cost them their equipment. It's cost them a dear family friend and they're gone. They're just out, you know, and you know, the show must go on. So the broadcast keeps, keeps going on with the priest, you know? (laughs) And yeah, I, I absolutely loved them. They were, they were great. The only thing that pulled me out is uh, what was her name? Uh, Claire Berger she kept reminding me of someone and I can't place who I want to say she might be someone that was on TNG for an episode, which I know is very helpful, but, um, <laughs> but that's not her fault. It's not even the casting director's fault. It's just my brain was connecting her to someone else. And it's like, Oh yeah, I have to remember this is a movie
5: and not a news broadcast, you know? So but I, mean, yeah, I, I admit, love them. But like Frank reminded me a lot of JK Simmons. Mm. Oh, no, for, I, a, like, for a second, I had to sort of like, is that JK Simmons? No, 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 it's not, but it's it, it, it's very like his look was very similar. Yeah,
4: yeah, there were a couple of points where I had to.
5: Yeah, you're absolutely
4: right. Uh huh. And
1: Wendy, I know that you mentioned the um the Warrens for, for people that Lawrence don't know, know no. who they are. Can you do? Did you tell them at all?
0: Ed and Lorraine Warren um, were a uh, couple here in the US. Were a paranormal investigators um ed kind of sold himself as a demonologist whereas lorraine was a clairvoyant and medium and they were involved in a number of kind of famous um haunting uh cases in the u.s they were the uh investigators at amityville and if folks are familiar with like the conjuring um cinematic universe like that's that's meant to be the warrens so these were these were real folks. I think they were based here in New England, I want to say Connecticut. Um, and this is very much who they were. Like they took themselves very seriously as paranormal investigators and would go out and do a lot of investigations like this one. And I don't think they had a kitty um, to focus their, their energies, but I think they're very much meant to be a representation of the Warrens.
5: I was half expecting, like when the cat went upstairs and they chased after them, like, almost expecting something like in wreck, like that like he was going to be talking to like the priest, and then just like a body was just going to fall down the stairs <laughs> or something. Just kind of like, uh, <laughs> cause, yeah, they're gonna kind of like, like they run off upstairs, and they're sort of not seen again for ages. So, I was wondering if they would get eventually kind of like come upon something gruesome, which, which they obviously they kind of do later on, but just sort of like if it was going to happen earlier on, yeah. But it, like, it, it definitely builds the, I think both of these, um. Doctor we we're going to talk about today do a really really good job of seeding and slow burning things turning from normal to abnormal yeah. until they kind of pull the trigger and everything goes to shit. But yeah, they're no. both very good in their own way, and but, but they do it very differently. But yeah, that that way of kind of like luring you into thinking this is just something mundane, and then s- slowly dropping slightly creepier things in, and then building that creepiness up to a point where it kind of crosses a line into, right, we are definitely into something actually scary now.
2: Yeah, the, like, found footage genre, if, my biggest criticism with them is that they are, they their biggest crutch is going for jump scares, because it's like okay so you're just gonna have something weird show up in the background that's gonna scare you or something along those lines and both wnef and the other film we're talking about don't really go for jump scares like there are there is the occasional jump scare but there's not like oh suddenly somebody jumps out and screams at you or like i i watched another um found footage film recently creep and it's just like i every time i started getting to the film oh it's a jump scare Yeah. Oh, it's another jump scare. Uh, Okay. There's just going to be a jump scare. So I'm not even going to care about what I'm
5: watching. Yeah. Jump scares are kind of so easy to do because, like, yeah, just build up a quiet moment and then have a sudden loud pop. Like, human instinct just makes you go, you know, you you get an adrenaline rush. And while I think they can be effective in building atmosphere, I think there are some films that just kind of rely on them as a crutch just to kind of keep the tension up. Whereas I think sort of something like these two, which kind of do it in a much more organic way to kind of, because like it, it doesn't just get more text; it sort of draws you into what's happening as well. Like, yeah, you, know, you, you kind of, I think with both of these, you start going, well, you know, whatever, this is happening. And then by the end of it, you're actually quite invested in everybody. And that's harder than it looks to do. Through a combination of kind of writing and performances, and the fact that both of these pulled that off so well is really commendable because it's it, it's a difficult thing to do.
4: Yeah, with the with the first one specifically, and you know not to, you know, say too much ahead of time. As we get to the ending of it. I was convinced they were going to do a jump scare. A hundred percent convinced. And I was ready to just be like, if they do this, this is ruining this whole production. And they didn't, and this one didn't do it too. You know, there were there were little moments, of course, you know, but I mean I was really expecting like uh what what's her name from The Exorcist? Well, the the yeah, but I was the character's name. I can't Reagan. remember. Oh, uh, Look, Reagan. Yeah, when her face is... I was expecting man on screen at some point. They never do that. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because I just would have come on here and fucking whined for 90 fucking minutes. About that. <laughs> because, because both of these did such a stellar job making you believe that this is something that literally was broadcast on television, for that to then pop in, it doesn't work. It works for a two-minute YouTube video or whatever, but... And for some movies but here i was they didn't do it and i was like oh you get an extra star on top of the five i'm already giving you here movies <laughs> you know so. and for me too the thing that really like like
1: you know that there's a certain amount of like like confidence in the the buildup that they've been doing for this whole thing when you can have like these horrible things happening and then cut away to have eggs at the strip club <laughs> <laughs>
2: Beauty Bird
5: special.
0: <laughs>
2: to be fair, I've been to strip clubs that have had excellent wings.
0: Yeah. But you don't want to go for the brunch. Oh, you It's don't. not, no. <laughs> it's very sad.
1: Is there anything sadder than brunch at the strip club at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday? <laughs>
2: Why would you do brunch at a strip club when you know that brunch
5: belongs to drag queens? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a situation when no one's bringing their A game, isn't it? I mean, like <laughs> uh, Dave, have you ever done a br- a drag brunch? They're excellent. Oh no, no, no! I was thinking more like a strip club oh. brunch. But yeah, no, no, no. Look, I at no point am I dissing the, the medium of drag brunch. I want to make that very clear. <laughs>
2: Answers on a postcard to Dave at... <laughs> no! No! We're getting, you're getting served looks and waffles. Oh,
4: damn it! That's <laughs> um,
2: Mr. Dot Mockery. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh,
4: well, my t-
5: life is over.
3: <laughs>
4: While we're talking about the commercials here, one of the things I dug is this was maybe about the two-third way mark in the program where one of the commercials referenced other commercials. So it started tying the world together. There was one where, I forget what it was for, but they were talking about the star of that sci-fi TV show, Laser Man, or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. was going to be doing a signing at wherever. And then they said, if you come, you can get a coupon to Tokens, the video arcade. <laughs> like, so they set up all these places that exist in the world outside the news broadcast. And then they reminded you, by joining them together i'm like that is awesome storytelling Mm -hmm. by saying that it isn't just these aren't just like the fake trailers in grindhouse where it's like this exists that exists that exists. is they're saying here are these commercials and yeah they're cross-promoting on this special because they're going to do that because it's going to get more eyes on their products together and separately so it did so much to make this a lived-in real world Mm -hmm. that then made it Made you actually believe this is 1988 or 89 or whatever.
5: Yeah. It's, it's there was the same thing with the political ads, like the political attack ads yeah. and the news coverage, which they go, far, they fast forward through, but like stopping at a couple of significant bits just to get mm-hmm. you to let you hear a couple of sound bites. But yeah, yeah, like you say, it's got nothing to do with anything else, but it makes the whole thing feel more genuine. Yeah. Well,
4: and then. You know, I mean, they do this every year in this stupid fucking country where you have the cops being like, check your candy for razor blades. But to let you know, this is the 80s. The cops like make sure there's no AIDS needles in it. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, fucking 80s. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, to kind of go on a different um, and different thing. um, Let's talk briefly because there's not a lot there about about like the framing device of the two anchors. I mean, I love them. I mean, the guy is
5: full on Kent Brockman. Yeah. Full on. Well, there's a reason for Kent Brockman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, (laughs) Uh, like, Kent Brockman is obviously kind of like the kind of apex version of of that local news anchor. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it has to be sort of like for the satire to work, it has to be based on something. But yeah, there's. Very much the same vibe coming from from this guy. I mean, like to the point where I could, I almost thought it was Harry Shearer for a second, just because <laughs> the voice was so kind of spot on.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the 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 woman just would like talk to the, you know. It was very serious and sad and somber. And then moving on to the next thing, where yeah. everything's very bright and big smiles all of a sudden, and. Yeah.
5: Loved it. The, the fact she's always given the low-ball news stories out the two of them as well. So, yeah. like, like the guy gets to deliver all the serious news stories with Gravitas, and then it's cut over to the woman who's going to... And now, he's a here's a fun story about kittens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of circle back to an earlier point, that actress, for a long time, was a sidekick on another horror host show called uh, Dr. Sarcophagi. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the best job man just coming up with these personas
4: <laughs> <laughs> well and what was so fun is there's one in this universe what was that yeah. blood wrench
2: doctor blood wrench
4: there we go yeah that <laughs> they actually invented their I assume that was that a is he a real guy doing one of these they invent him for
5: this like I think they invented him
4: okay okay got it. Yeah.
5: yeah I mean I'd, I'd hope he wasn't real because Frankly, like, you know, he was clearly designed to be lame as hell. (laughs) Designed to be, like, absolutely terrible.
1: Well, yeah, I think, you know, again, for every Elvira that goes national, it's going to be, we're just going to put the weatherman in a, you know, in some makeup.
5: and (laughs) (laughs) To someone with zero charisma, but needs a paycheck. Yeah. (laughs) That that sci-fi advert, which is basically just um, footage of a Klingon cruiser and a stealth bomber being moved around on, like basically, paper cutouts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and
4: was it the? Yeah, they only showed that one once, and like the way they did it, it made me like realize what Star Trek commercials must sound like to non-trekkies right? oh yeah yeah where it's definitely, like yeah, that, it, the, the florgs yeah. are flying to zort and and it's just like oh i only understand the language because i've been a star trek nerd since i was like five yeah. like this makes sense to me like it was the perfect way to like kind of take a gentle poke at Star Trek or whatever your brand of sci-fi is, at those types of geeks and nerds, while still but doing it lovingly, like very much saying, yeah. "This is this is what it fucking sounds like, you nerds."
5: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Will Chancellor Murdoch discover the truth about Krubnik? <laughs> I will say that
1: is the only commercial that actually does take me
4: out. Oh, do, why is it because of that specifically, or
5: the not because of the or...
1: language? Because no, because the the descriptive of that commercial is dead on. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. At, at, you know, as cheesy as the effects in those shows were, this was much cheesier. Oh, okay, like yeah. the, the special effects were were bad enough that like they they were clearly supposed to be funny. Mm, okay. Whereas for most of this, the humor came very naturally out
4: of the situation or out of the premise. Okay. The the one that kind of got me only in so much that it may be question when this was made was the Sergeant P.I. so-and-so came back from the war and it was yeah. all like keeping the streets clean. I'm like, is this a... Post, we'll just say I won't say the word. that post twenty sixteen, like parody, you know, in terms of like what they were trying. Like, no, that was the eighties. Like, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Action hero wants to clean up the streets from those people. Oh, okay, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I forgot about that aspect mm-hmm. of that. Decade. That was called like,
5: yeah. like, like strapped for action or something like that, wasn't something, it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah.
2: I still say though, it's a it's a crying shame that we will never be covering Doc it on this show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as
1: cheesy as those commercials were, those are the kinds of commercial, like the kinds of movies that they would show, like on
5: Sunday afternoons or late at night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like all all the shows that they were kind of like fake trailers for. Part of me was kind of guiltily thinking I'd totally watch that. Yeah, (laughs) I would (laughs) have. Not not even ironically, I, I would just watch it purely for entertainment.
1: But oh, like in like, 1987, cause... absolutely I would have watched that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's there's the one about the two high school girls talking in the hallway. I forget what it's called, like yeah. straight A's or something. Yeah. But and I can't tell if it's supposed to be like a degrassi high type show or like a square pegs type show, but I would have watched the hell out of it. <laughs> I love
2: square pegs so much.
0: <laughs> like that's the
2: Sarah Jessica Parker We Need Back. <laughs> But I also love too that
1: you know again it's these two high school girls you know complaining like I don't you know my I locked my geometry book in my locker or something and they're obviously pushing (laughs) thirty. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So So you're saying it was maybe a little more nine oh two (laughs) one (laughs) oh e.
2: I have a question for Dave actually Okay. so I know like you know the uh, the other four of us we grew we were you know there like in the 80s and 90s when we had syndicated television and you know this kind of stuff was norm including commercials you had the BBC which obviously doesn't really show commercials that for between programs did you have was there anything kind of like this over on your side of the pond ah not
5: certainly not to the kind of relentless level that this is presented as, I mean, like we. So, the, like, well, the BBC doesn't have commercials, but we do have, like, at, like in the eighties, we'd had like another two commercial channels. So we had ITV and Channel Four, which were both commercial channels, which did have adverts. Uh, um, but like occasionally, you'd get like, especially if you're watching kind of what like the local like the local news, there'd be some kind of more local ads for stuff. But yet, yeah, not never to the extent. That I've seen, not just in sort of like um, recreations like this, but also just kind of actual footage of like, yeah, it was like it, it was never the kind of Wild West chaos that <laughs> that seemed to be sort of like a American local uh, local news television. Yeah. Like, like in a way, kind of sad because it just looks like it's an absolute treasure trove of nonsense. Like, yeah. <laughs> it looks amazing, but yeah, no, like we've never really kind of. um had it to that extent over here, and especially not like in the 80s before we kind of got kind of like satellite TV or whatever we could get kind of like more. I mean, even now, like, um like occasionally I'll be watching um, something on Fight TV, like a message show, and it will have like as all the American commercials in there and I'm just sort of sitting there like that. They come every two minutes and they're almost always for sort of super vitamins or protein powder. And I'm just like, jeez Louise. <laughs> so can could, could I have some TV program with my ads, please? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Usually in a half like in a half hour TV program over here, you would get one hour break in the middle. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know over there you'd probably get two. There's one sort of right near the beginning and one kind of near at the end, right? Is that an you would
1: you get three. Like really? if for a half hour show you'd get three. You'd get one after the the opening credits. One
5: towards the middle, and then one. Okay. I mean, like for for an hour, I, mean, I think sometimes you get three or four. I think depending on the station, but uh, but yeah, no, for a half hour show, you don't ever get one. So uh, yeah, <laughs> when, when you sort of, like, see American TV, and it's just gonna add like yeah, yeah, a good ten minute, about ten minutes of stuff happening, and then like another advert. You like, oh, say, oh god! Yeah. <laughs>
1: like for all I complain about, like streaming services. Having ads, at least the ad breaks are relatively short. Yeah. (laughs) And like the commercials
2: aren't usually awful. (laughs) Yeah. I will, I swear the number of times I've seen like the commercial about the mom using her internet to, you know, get a, to get a, get a Chad living with her. Like that's just kind of like, you know, hey, kudos. (laughs) <laughs> uh, can i get back to the prices right though <laughs> <laughs> i have to watch some 80s era bob barker yeah <laughs> well it's like if you're watching like me tv because me tv
1: is is very clearly geared to people older than we are
5: what?
1: <laughs> and every commercial is either for medicine <laughs> or things to take your money away from you you know, Chuck Woolery trying to get you to buy gold. <laughs> a sad-looking dog. Oh, God. Or, or like, like, the gun porn. That one commercial for, uh... I don't know, it's some kind of joint supplement to kind of keep your your elbows from hurting or some shit. And it's just a guy... <laughs> it's just a guy shooting his
5: guns over and over again all over the place.
3: <laughs>
5: like that advert on the... Um... On the film for the, uh, the gun range, <laughs> like <a> Rambo, who <laughs> <laughs> Arnie, who cares? Wrap
1: yourself in the warm embrace of the Second Amendment. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously that didn't happen much with his television. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm getting a consensus here that that we enjoyed yes so good and before we uh before we before we break i just I just want to point out the other you know, said in, in an interview where the director chris lamartina was like asked about you know our, the next movie we're about to talk about and he says i never saw that i wasn't even aware of it and then, afterward, you know, and then you know, people kept talking to, oh, you're just ripping off this other movie. And I went and I watched it, and it's like I, I couldn't even get half an hour through it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, he said, Yes, yeah, swears blind, he never, never hmm. saw
5: it. But the thing is, it's not really a particularly original idea, yeah. You know, it's not like Ghost Watch was so exclusive that like anybody anyone else doing something similar must have been ripping it off. The idea of doing like a You know, like a live live coverage of a haunted house, and then something turns out to be it's pretty. You know, you know, and the thing is, like they had, they both handle the horror and the nature of the cause of the horror very differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like if if this is kind of like an American horror film, sort of like say like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that, then like Ghost Watch is like an M.R. James. Ghost story turned into a mm. turned into a TV broadcast. Like if it, they're very American horror versus very British horror. Yes, the premise is the same, but what's happening and the nature of what's happening is very different.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, this all kind of goes back to the War of the Worlds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will also one other thing, and it has nothing to do with this movie, but the next movie that La Martina made after this was another horror comedy called uh The Call Girl of Cthulhu. <laughs> um it is not nearly as wacky as that title would have you suggest. <laughs> it's it's not bad and it actually has a lot of the same actors. Right.
2: So it's fun. <laughs> something i will be remiss if i don't point out one of the bands in the like you know heavy metal ad is rotor yes
3: Mm.
2: r-o-t-o-r explicitly (laughs) You missed that very cool
0: (laughs) i think i have seen the call girl of cthulhu (laughs) possibly at like a lovecraft film festival
3: yeah
5: yeah (laughs) <laughs> Wendy's busy looking it up right <laughs> that was like the most thoughtfully considered tone in which the cool girl of Cathedral I think has probably ever been mentioned <laughs> it's it's fun it, and again it's nowhere near as goofy as the title would suggest I mean yeah I'm a sucker for a good title like that and like if, if the film actually ends up delivering on it that's even better <laughs> Obviously, but half the time, like the title comes first, they kind of slap a film around it, and it's just kind of not not great. So, if there's a if, if they if they stick the landing after getting the uh, a great title for it, then yeah, absolutely, very much interested in that.
0: Well, it definitely went over well with the audience at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Chuck it on the list.
1: Yeah. Um... It's uh, it's on the
2: list. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
5: And I, then I, I, I don't even know, know why I questioned that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know when this episode is going to end up going live, Dan, but if it goes live before the um 21st, the 20th of this month, my my one of the local art theaters in Dayton is actually showing WNUF. Nice. I probably will not get around to going to see it, but this would be fun to watch with an audience.
1: Definitely. And yes, this will go out before the 20th. I think that's one. I don't remember, honestly. This this will be the next one that goes out. Because I am super far behind. (laughs) (laughs) All all the cushion that I built into this season is (laughs) out the window. (laughs) On Saturday night, we'll be visiting the most haunted house in Britain.
4: But will the ghosts be there? Can you take it?
5: Ghostwatch, a Screen One special for Halloween, Saturday at 9.25 on One. So
1: next up, we saw Ghostwatch. Uh-huh. Um, Wendy, can you uh, can you lead can you
0: us in? Oh, sure. So Ghostwatch is a 1992 TV film made for BBC One. It presents as a live broadcast um, in which some TV presenters and a crew are sent to a haunted house on Halloween. Locals know the house uh, for paranormal activity. A presenter enters the house uh, while a paranormal specialist remains in the studio with another presenter. And despite some fakery, they discover that there is indeed something very dangerous in the house. Uh, By the end of the film, a presenter and a member of the crew have gone missing. This is fantastic. The kind of like the, the... the thing about that makes this one special is that the presenters were um, well-known personalities presenting as themselves, and as a result, thirty thousand—I'm sorry, yes, thirty thousand—panicked and/or outraged viewers called the BBC to express their displeasure and/or fear. Um, and this, I my, my understanding is, this has never been rebroadcast um, over there. It's just here that we can watch it on the streamers. It, it has not, no.
4: So
1: that. That description sounded very familiar. Um, <laughs> so, first of, okay. So, first off, was this anybody's first time seeing this? Me. Okay. So, uh, Mike and Will. Yes. Your hand raised on this audio podcast.
4: Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Look, it was your idea to introduce the cameras. Now it's it was. Now, I don't know. If it was. <laughs> <It was. laughs> Using them, by God, we're going to use them. <laughs> um,
1: so, Dave, I'd like you because I know that you can definitely add the most context to to a lot of. Can you talk to me? Because again, you know, you've you've seen this before, and um, you know, you know, you're much more familiar with a lot of what's going on here than I think we're we're going to be here. Yeah. Uh, would you mind kind of going into your
5: thoughts about this about about yeah. this program? Now, this was actually my first time watching it all the way through. I watched it on broadcast, not knowing it was a drama. And because it was kind of like, it must have been about, what, 13 or something at the time? Like, this is 1992. And yeah, so because it starts out boring, I was just kind of like, eh. you know, I, I sort of turned it off. It wasn't until I went into school the next day that everyone was talking about, holy shit, did you see what went down on that Ghostwatch program? So this is, this is a, so, and after that, obviously, it became known by reputation. So this is actually my first time actually sitting down and watching the whole whole thing through from start to finish. But in terms of, like, if you didn't know that this was, like, because it was broadcast as part of a, a, the BBC one had a, had a section called Screen One, which was, it's kind of like, uh, it, like television movies, basically. And this was part of that that segment. But if you didn't know that, and, like, this was like, this was on the cover of the Radio Times, this was kind of trailed, and if you're only kind of cursorily aware of it, you could think this was real, because the thing is, and they do make, make, make a little bit of a mention of this at the start, they had done gen, genuine TV shows which ended in Watch, like Hospital Watch, which were like genuine on-site, live kind of what's going on at a particular thing. So they have done Hospital Watch. They did, they still to this day do some nature programmes called Spring Watch and Autumn Watch. So the fact that they, they would do a show called Ghost Watch, you know, Kept it in the format of these genuine shows that they, that had already been broadcast, broadcast. and were. In, this is pretty much the same format. Like even the phone in number that they're putting at the bottom was the BBC's proper phone in number. If like, you like, it was the one they used on going live in kids shows when you wanted to call celebrity guests in the, on the morning show as well. Like, so all the presenters are extremely well-known people in the u k obviously Michael Parkinson which uh, was a very well known interviewer and broadcaster um Sarah Green was maybe the children's television she did, like a blue peter and going live They did a lot of kid shows. she was sort of like the nation's hot mum <laughs> like the, <laughs> sort of every kid every kid who was about about my age at the time had a low-key crush on Sarah green because she was just kind of like this like the nice mum <laughs> of the nation. Which actually kinda of makes kind of like yeah, the implication of what happens to her later on extremely disturbing for a lot of people. Um uh, Mike Smith was genuinely her husband. Um he was a another broad, broadcaster and uh like, he did all sorts, actually. He was like, unfortunately he's no longer with us. He he died in uh, two thousand fourteen. But um but yeah, he was like a helicopter pilot. He did, he raced cars. He did a lot of stuff with sort of Noel Edmonds on Saturday Night TV. Like he hosted Top of the Pops. He was a quite a ubiquitous host of many things. He would have been sort of seen. And Craig Charles, obviously apart from Red Dwarf, was kind of known like he was originally got known for He he was a poet. He went to a lot of TV shows and did like read his kind of like modern poetry. And then off the back of that, started getting acting roles, presenting roles and stuff. So and so again, mad about this sort of time, he, he would have you know, acted as a host. So from a point of view of authenticity, in terms of how the show is presented and the people who are hosting it, if you didn't know it was fictional, you just tuned in, you would have no reason not to think this wasn't real. Which is obviously what caused a lot of the complaints that um that sort of came afterwards um, yeah so for the purely making this look like an authentic show it absolutely nails it from the presenting style to the fact that whenever anybody calls in they pick up the phones they pick up the phones even though it's very clearly being piped in for, you know, through the studio um, I mean like watching it this time like the, the only, there was only a couple of times where I recognised some of the actors who were playing various different Roles in it for both. Like like the American expert is the guy who played the president of the United States at the sound of drums and has been in like a lot of things. So, yeah, no, no, and the, the the whole kind of like there was so many st- stuff on British TV that did outside broadcast stuff and it all looked like that like a bunch of kind of <laughs> members of the public usually milling around in the cold, not looking too enthusiastic until the camera was on them. Yeah, so the, so the way this builds as like just seemingly like every other show that they'd done in that they've done genuinely in this style before slowly turning it into something that's clearly not and making it more and more creepy is so effective. And yeah, I mean, I, I can see why people were taken in by it. And obviously like the presenters do a great job of acting like themselves, even though they're in like a fictional situation. Uh where it falls down a little bit, I think, is the performances of some of the like so-called regular people, because that's a really hard thing to do. It's to like especially when you're acting out specific lines and making them see, making it seem like you're a person off the street. And people try to, like even the phoning people are quite actory. Like they keep trying to cover it up by saying um and pausing and stuff, but like you can tell. they're performing which I I don't hold against just because it's a really hard thing to do to have that level of authenticity of just being a member of the public because if anything everything you want to do as an actor is kind of counterintuitive to being just an average Joe who just happens to be on the telly but yeah I, I mean this was this became a bit of a pop pop culture legend afterwards you know I mean like especially for the kind of, kind of people of my generation who kind of saw it as sort of teenagers when it was on TV. Um, like you say, I mean, like in terms of sort of the reaction to it and all the complaints and stuff, it very much is our War of the Worlds. and Only we we got suckered by a TV show, which makes us feel a bit more gullible than <laughs> on the radio broadcast, but... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I would mean, now I watch it all the way through again, I just found it incredibly effective, and like I was genuinely creeped out by the end of it.
1: Thank you, Dave. That um, that fills in a lot of blanks, I think, that some of us may have had. Um, Wendy, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to go next. Um, I know that this is something that you've long been a fan of.
0: Yeah, I I love this, it is creepy as. Fuck. Um, I think I first saw it maybe 20 years ago. Um, a friend slid me a VHS tape without a lot of context and it is a just deeply unsettling frightening uh little film to watch you know being being from the U.S. I didn't really have the context other than these are actually known figures and in my head I'm like oh it's, so it's like if the cast of 60 Minutes and one of the women from Sesame Street like hosted a mock ghost show like that's what it would have been like um but it is just creepy as all hell my favorite thing about Ghostwatch, um, is the fact, and I, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm getting ahead. Um, there, there is something in the house. Um, you know, I, I know I kind of joke that these two films are kind of the same film, but they're not. They're very different. There is something, there is actually a malevolent presence in this house. And we see the presence throughout the film. It is there lurking in the background in many, many scenes. And if you see it, it might be kind of like, oh, what the fuck is that? But even when you don't see it, you still kind of see it and, <laughs> on another level. And it's, I think it's a big part of what makes this so effective. Like there's definitely something in the shadows. There's definitely a face, you know, reflected in the glass. There's definitely something in the curtains over there. And um, I think even if you don't consciously see it, part of you is seeing it and it makes the whole experience very unsettling. And I, I love how the, the mystery kind of un, unwraps over the course of the film. I love the paranormal investigator character. Um, unlike our other film, she's actually in the studio and she's a serious academic paranormal investigator. Um, but she has actually been like studying the house and working with the family in the haunted house for a couple of years it has a lot of data and a lot of footage and really puts together some of the really terrifying elements of the film very well. Um, I just think it's it's a really I don't know if he would call this one a found footage film, but it's really just a standout in this kind of a movie. It really and it is just terrifying and should be on your Halloween watch list if you're not familiar with it.
5: I will say that the the guy who wrote this, uh, a guy called Stephen Funk, is a very prolific and good hot horror, um, horror writer. He's done sort of like TV shows, he's done novels and stuff. He's, he's done a novel which I've meant to read for right. ages called Whitstable, which is about a little boy who meets because Peter Cushing um, lived most of his life in Whitstable. So, like, a little boy comes up to Peter Cushing and asks him for help to fight him uh, because he thinks he, his stepdad might be a vampire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't remember if it's genuine or not. But but that's kind of like the mystery. But yeah, it's kind of like the story almost like a, a slightly sort of three amigos situation of a little like he this little boy knows that Peter Cushing fights vampires and he's scared that his stepdad is a vampire.
0: And it's lovely.
5: Yeah. <laughs> All um, I can think of is Fright Knight. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's in a sort of similar vein. But yeah, he, he did a, a very yeah, he he is a very prolific and very good horror writer. Uh, like which what but also had sort of worked in TV so like again sort of he was kind of like at that kind of venn diagram of of people who could write this write it really well
1: thank you very much um will how about yourself now, this was you said this was your first time what did you think
2: I mean, it's a film that I always knew by reputation. I vaguely knew what it was about and I just never got around to it. It was just like, okay, it's British. It's probably really dry and I'll probably enjoy it once I watch it, but I'll take a little bit of adjustment. And when I watched it, it was a little bit dry, but eventually I like it and it just took a little bit of adjustment. (laughs) Um, I mean, Yeah, it's very much like what I expect a BBC like documentary to be like and our new show. And I think that's what makes it so good is that, you know, the fact that, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, these presenters, they're talking to kids. Okay, yeah. And it's just, okay, now we're having call live ins, live in calls. Great, awesome, awesome. And these people are also reporting, you know, haunting spontaneously happening. Like the slow burn is what i is what I really enjoyed here. Like at first, yeah, you're I'm like, okay, is this is this going to actually be like a there's not actually a ghost here? And then the way that it just slowly you realize something else is going on here, like there are just all these other people that are calling in, noticing, like, you know, the the video, noticing like weird things happening in their house since they started watching the program. And then it's just by the end of it, I'm like, "Oh God, oh, that's what's happening." Um, well, that's that sucks for everyone in Britain now. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoy having having to deal with ghosts
5: in your house.
2: Mm. Well, to be fair, I think doesn't most of England have ghosts in their house at this point?
5: <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's there's about three in here with me now.
2: <laughs> and as a quick question, none of them are Cybermen, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. I would rather deal with ghosts than Cybermen any day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you posted should the situation change. <laughs> Thank you very
4: much, Will and Mike. Yourself, would you, where you, where, where were you? Th- where did you land on this? Loved it. Um, going in. I didn't know that this was, and I kind of said this, let me cover WNUF. I didn't know that this was actually made in 92. I thought it might've been like a retro type thing, but the second they showed, and I'm sorry, I don't know his name, the, the the guy from Red Dwarf. Craig Charles. Craig Charles. There we go. The second they showed him, I'm like, oh no, unless that guy doesn't age at all. <laughs> like this <laughs> oh, is actually, so, oh, okay. <laughs> so I paused and I looked I'm like, oh, okay, this actually is this was, this was filmed and set in 92. Boom. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I can kind of, I could let go of that piece, you know? And uh, from there, I kind of realized that, these, uh, everything Dave said, I sort of kind of got put together in my brain. I'm, I'm like, this must be a real presenter playing himself. This must be a new, real broadcaster, a real, like everybody I just kind of figured was real, except for like the, the, the mom and the daughters, I figured were actors, yeah. you know, stuff like that. As you said, which I'm sorry, Craig Charles. Yeah. Obviously he's an actor, but he's playing himself too, you know, so like, I'm like, okay. And, you know, it drew me in, in a completely different way than wnuf did where that did it through the commercials this one did it through just being genuine honest and genuine about what it was trying to do um where they bring in the the very smug guy from new york who's like nah, 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 nah. you know it's, it's <laughs> clear this is fake see she's we saw her doing this and that huh? i don't want to say I told you so but then the um the paranormal um pro- professor uh what was her name yeah. um Pasco? A of- was it Dr. Pasco? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, where she's sitting there going, no, that did happen, and we can believe them. And we, we saw it happen, but we can also believe them that this is happening. Like, she she was just so... Her, her need and want to believe them that these events were happening helped make us believe that they were happening, even for people who didn't see it in 92, like you did, Dave, who understood what the watch concept means. You know, and so I was digging that. And then with to kind of piggyback off something you said, Wendy, was when you start kind of seeing pipes in the background, that moment where he's clearly standing in the girl's room on the footage, you can clearly see a tall, bald man in the black dress, ethereal all, but he's standing there in the curtains, right? You can see it. But then when they bring the footage back and she takes the pen to the screen as if it's like a sporting event, she circles the wrong part. So she's still not seeing it. She circles like maybe the abdomen is like, oh, maybe there's like a big face there. It's like, no, he's standing right there. How do you not see it? You know, and then, you know, so that starts to like broaden it out. And then you get to the moment where the cameraman catches pipes like there, not even as a ghost. The cameraman pans past the curtains. We see it for half a second and the cameraman goes back. And there's nothing there then it was those little moments like that, which it's (laughs) it's literally giving me chills talking about it. You know, it, it did such a wonderful job expanding out what was going on here from, you know, this small thing to this broader thing that it winds up becoming kind of this plague that the entire British Isle has to face now. So yeah, absolutely adored this. And again, as I said in the previous one, I'm glad it didn't end on a jump scare as I was so afraid it was going to after, you know, everything goes to hell in this, you know, the way it does. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah. I also, I mean, this is probably my second time seeing this, maybe my third. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, And I, I really think that this is really good. I think it's really well done. Um, One thing that, and Dave, you, you, you talked about this, that kind of takes me out of it a little bit is that disconnect between the presenters who again are used to you know have decades of training of speaking extemporaneously about whatever's in front of them filling time just talking off the top of their heads and then everybody else is very clearly scripted um there is that little bit of disconnect and that honestly really takes me out of this um, I really have a hard time with it. Like even Craig Charles, who again, you know, is an actor, but also at this point was, had been presenting for quite some time, you know, and knew how to just kind of, you know, you could just kind of give him a rough outline and he could just kind of talk until it was time for somebody else to start talking. Um, you know, just kind of stand there and be kind of a dick, Craig, because <laughs> you know, that's kind of his shtick. <laughs> Um, but like everybody else, like I'm familiar, like I know of Michael Parkinson, like I, I'm sure I've seen stuff he's done. Obviously, I know Craig Charles because of Red Dwarf. But everybody else, I'm just kind of like they either completely unfamiliar with, or like
5: I've heard the name, but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, like Sarah Green and Mike Smith were like the most wholesome couple in Britain. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that whole joke about that uh, when. Uh, Craig jumps out of the um closet to try and get a four letter word out of her. Like that that would have that was like because she was just like such the nation's mum that like the idea the idea of Sarah Green swearing on television would be sort of absolutely anathema. <laughs> but that
1: also like like leads to like I mean I love the moment at the end where, you know, shit's happening in the studio and they're trying to evacuate it and and smithy's just like i'm not going anywhere until i know my wife's okay you know like that was a really nice nice little mm. moment there um and yeah the slow burn it is genuinely creepy like i don't know if i'd ever call this scary but it's definitely creepy like you kind of have that little like low level mm, i'm not so sure about this
5: <laughs> oh yeah this is this, this is made to unsettle mm-hmm. like it it it's made to unnerv mm-hmm yeah rather than just outright scare
1: yeah like there's no you know to mike's point there's no jump scares
3: hmm.
1: um which is wonderful cuz that's not what it's trying to do
2: the only thing that took me out of the film at any point and that that made me start laughing and this is 100% probably down to you know US terminology and slang versus british terminology and slang is the fact that the basement is constantly referred to as the glory hole
5: yeah. yeah, no, I, I even I was just like, can we stop calling it that? Can we, can we please stop calling it that? Okay. And the
2: reason I'm laughing isn't even just to to the freaky terminology. It's because I immediately thought of, you know, on The Soup when they would watch Gold Rush Alaska and they constantly refer to the glory hole.
1: <laughs> the only other thing, and again, I think that this is a cultural thing, is on the whole... I, I believe that British television is inherently cheesier than American television. I think that it's almost like, like in America, you get this kind of vibe in like morning TV, like the today show or good morning America, where there's a bunch of, you know, the hosts and they're all very genially talking to each other and there's Collins and there's, and you don't really get that for the rest of the day in America. You wouldn't get a show like this, or at least with this vibe in prime time in America. Right. Whereas in the UK, from what I've been able to understand just through context, you know, through watching other shows and, and seeing that this is much more of a common thing throughout, throughout the day.
5: Like you get a lot more of this geniality between like bantering hosts. Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 that kind of that kind of thing is very much kind of like all all day on TV. I think it's maybe it's just like the British sensibility of just kind sort of generally speaking, we tend to be quite we we like our TV hosts to be a bit more genial and a bit more you know conversational and and relaxing rather than that kind of like a, that kind of stern guy staring down the camera going, tonight on 60 Minutes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I think, the, the again, the impression of yeah, American TV, that sort of like in, in the evenings, if especially if it's like current affairs or something kind of quite serious, yeah, like there was there was a stoicism and a seriousness expected of your broadcasters. Whereas I think sort of like in Britain, we actually kind of like our broadcasters to have a bit more approachability. I mean, it's one of the things that kind of makes Alan Partridge such a great comic character because he, like, he's a smidgen away from the kind of things which real broadcasters do. Like, I know there's a Twitter account called Accidental Partridge, which shows genuine British presenters saying things that could easily have come out of Alan Partridge's mouth. Yeah, but I think that's a fair observation.
1: Yeah, because like, you know, just just as a for instance, the the scene of Craig Charles jumping out of the cabinet to try yeah. to get Sarah to to swear, I can absolutely see that like on Good Morning America, mm-hmm. you know, like live with whatever Regis and Kelly is these days. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would absolutely happen on those shows, but you wouldn't see something like that happen in primetime. Yeah. It just it's just a disconnect that's in my head because that's just how
5: TV works here. Yeah. So- I could completely get that. Like, it, 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 it's like if, if it's totally very different to what you'd expect from normal evening television, mm-hmm. then I can see why that would be like a bit of a barrier to kind of immersing yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's yeah, because it is so designed to be a very accurate represent yeah you know, recreation of those kind of shows which did genuinely run. Like Will says it yeah. You know, on the face of it, like those shows are kind of dry. You know, I mean, they're sort of not meant to be watched and consumed eagerly. You know, something like a hospital watch or something is, yeah, you know, something that you kind of put on, what, say, like while you while you're making dinner or you know, just putting the kids to bed or something. You know, that it's not meant to be watched intently. It's just sort of like an easygoing fluff TV. Um, which is yeah, very much how this is presented, but with a supernatural slant until kind of like, yeah, things go south. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, again, I mean, it's kind of like interesting to see that kind of cultural disconnect that's I mean, been happening in both sides of, of this, because yeah, with me having kind of like no real genuine context for WN, well, like the world of WNUF. And likewise, like you guys not really having anything quite like that in terms of evening television in America and the, the fact that in both cases they still work i think it's kind of testament to the fact that, that ha- just how well written and how well done they are yeah absolutely absolutely
1: yeah. um and the whole thing wouldn't work if the family didn't work and i think that yeah. the the family the kids especially oh yeah are really good
5: the kids are amazing because it would be very, I mean especially in Sort of British child actors. There are there is a very kind of stagey kind of child actor, uh, But the kind of. But, I mean, I hate to raise the spectral of Doctor Who, but it's like Romulus and Remus in the Twin Dilemma, or kind of like you know, Bonnie, Bonnie Langford when she was a child actor. That kind of sort of like I am a child actor.
1: Our genius like, has been abused.
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's much harder to find like a naturalistic child actor and both of these young women are absolutely fantastic. Really, really good. I mean, they're they're the ones who kind of sell it, especially the younger one who's kind of, you know, that moment when she says she needs to talk to pipes and she starts screaming and they're pulling her away and stuff. That's one of the most chilling bits in it. Yeah. And that's all through performance.
4: And I think one of the things that all three of them do well, but the production adds to it is they don't outright say how recent it is, but you quickly figure out that the divorce that's happened happened recently because the mom keeps referring to her husband. She tries not to, she struggles to say her ex. She still says husband. Um, If I recall correctly, one of the girls, I think the older one mentions, says something like, well, we thought you'd leave to the mom. I think she says that to the mom where she's, 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 it's still very raw, the dad leaving. You know, um, so it just, I don't know, it just added something to these people being people and not actors playing a part for me, you know. And you don't often see that with with kid actors, especially. So seeing
5: mm-hmm. it from them, yeah, really really made it more genuine for me. I'm just reading some of the um, IMDb trivia for this, and apparently one of the people who thought this was real was Michael Parkinson's mother who was watching it. <laughs> And apparently you, um, like, apart from the times that we see pipes, he he shows up like if you rewatch it, he shows up several times in the background.
0: Like, yeah, he's he's in so the
5: yeah, yeah, apparently he's he's in the he's reflected in the windows when you see Sarah picking up these pictures on the floor. Mm-hmm. He's out in he's out in the street apparently at one point with the rest of the crowd, if mm-hmm. you know where to look. So yeah. Again, just about like I saw him a few times, but I didn't catch all the time. So that's one of those kind of sort of rewards rewatching of uh, Yeah. Of, yeah, of spotting him in various places.
4: There's a scene near the end where just before everything goes to, to hell, I think it's just before the the boom mic operator gets clobbered. Yeah, they, they open up the door of the glory hole. and There's clearly someone standing there.
0: Yeah, and there's it's a not any other. Gr-
4: yeah, it's not the girls. It can't be. It's not anything else. It, it's a guy. I don't think Pipes is wearing the dress. I think it might be a flannel shirt. I don't remember because it's literally a flash, right? But there's clearly someone there yeah he's
0: he's also in the studio one of the big lights explodes and as it explodes he's visibly left the house and he is now out in the studio out in the world
4: nice like right. so have i assume the answer is gonna be yes for most if not all of you have you all seen the 2020 invisible man
2: no no
4: see it see it because throughout the entire thing you're constantly wondering is he there and there are moments where you know he's there, even though you can't see him. Like, I'm just going to spoil one tiny thing. There's one moment where the the lead is standing on the the porch and you can see the breath of someone standing behind her. Like, because it's a winter day. And like, th- so that's what was reminded, I was thinking of that while watching this. I'm like, I know Pipes is here. I know he's in probably every shot, but we're not seeing him, you know? And it just reminded me of that movie, that's all.
5: One <laughs> of the random bits of trivia is like a, This was said to be one of Golden Girls actresses Rue McClanahan's favourite shows. (laughs) It's got the scene of approval from Blanche, everybody. (laughs) And
2: there have been, like, a handful of attempts to, like, kind of, you know, do this kind of show over in the States. Like, there was... Be both before and after this came out and almost always they deal with oh an alien invasion or nuclear war and i think why they don't work as well as this does is because oh they're going way too freaking big to and most people are going to realize yeah there's not an alien invasion going on outside no nuclear war has not been declared but here i mean it's like oh yeah you know it's a show about a silly ghost. And okay. Uh, and people in my neighborhood are apparently calling in about this. That, okay. Mm. Do, do, I just had a light flicker in my house. Is that part of this? I mean, I think it is a very good idea that the BBC did include, you know, at the beginning. Hey, here are credits, including a written by credit. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah apparently, I saw on the wiki. Oh, sorry. You might be saying this thing. I apologize. But carry okay. on. I, I saw like why they included that, but what's great is if you weren't in the room for that and you know the watch concept, you don't, you never saw it. You don't know, so they added it as a safety net. But it, it's not like they kept showing it, like at the bottom of the screen. This is a dramatization or anything like that. Yeah. If You miss
5: it, you're fucked. <laughs> well, apparently, if you rang the phone number, like because yeah, again, the fifty percent is a live broadcast. If you did rig it to try and show your ghost stories, the first message to play was: "This is not real."
4: Nah,
5: <laughs> it's like, you're, okay. you're, like you can still leave your story if you want, but this is not a real broadcast. Okay,
2: but apparently they were getting so many freaking calls that people were getting busy numbers,
5: yeah. <laughs> which randomly would add to the realism of what they were watching. So. Mm-hmm. yeah, like one, one
1: again, another aspect of the kind of culture between the UK versus the US is I know that if, you know, NBC aired something that a lot of people had a problem with and they called and wrote letters and NBC would have no trouble just completely disregarding those. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nothing whatsoever. Yeah, whatever. Just put them on the crank file and we'll move on with the rest of our day. But I know that the, the BBC traditionally takes those things a lot more seriously.
5: Well, because they're a publicly funded broadcaster. Yeah, you know, so the the way the BBC is funded is by the TV license fee, so they are in essence answerable mm-hmm. to the viewership, and therefore, if they do get a lot of complaints about something, they can um they yeah, kind of be held to account for it. I mean, like, yeah. and yeah, be fined as an organisation and uh that sort of thing. So it's um like like we well like there is like an independent television regulator, but also yeah, there there is like Essentially, the government well, the BBC depends on its license fee for funding, and the government controls what the license fee is. Mm-hmm. So, if it gets into trouble for something, it has to kind of step up a bit more than than, than just like your average kind of um, sort of US network broadcaster.
1: Because I know that again, like like the the big joke on the the commentaries for for Doctor Who in the eighties is always like we had to. Light everything basically with just a giant fluorescent wash because otherwise, some nana in Cornwall would call in and say there's something wrong with her TV. Would you come out and fix
5: it? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yep, that's that's the kind of thing that happened, (laughs) sadly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's one there's lots of overlit Doctor Who in the 80s just because you had a lot of directors who wanted to come in and do something atmospheric, and they went, Yeah, no, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, you you can't do any of that. Uh, I mean, like there was, at the time as well, unfortunately, um, there was a young man who'd watched this who had um, a learning disability and had bad plumbing in his house and eventually ended up committing suicide. So that was kind of quite, as a story, quite publicly Mm -hmm. sort of put out there as well, which is obviously an extremely sad confluence of events. Mm-hmm. and uh, actually one of the other bits of the home DB trivia it says that this is has the dubious honour of being one of the first TV shows to have caused their uh, childhood PTSD you know the thing is like I, I, just, to be fair this is one of the things a lot of people who complained about were saying is because Sarah Green was a very well known children's television presenter that was popular there were parents letting people watch it thinking well this has got Sarah Green in of course it's going to be fine mm-hmm. and obviously that's part of the build in terms of building up the tension. So, yeah, there was, I, I think, that, and again, like it absolutely works as a piece of media, but again, I can absolutely see why other people would be taken in and be slightly annoyed by it if they haven't done their research. Because because again, not everybody reads stuff about all television programs coming out. And because this was presented with the with the the look of a genuine show, if you're just channel flipping and you miss the start, you just happen to flip over and there's Michael Parkinson. You're thinking, oh, well, this is... Uh, Michael is hosting some sort of show about the paranormal. All right, what's going on?
1: And I imagine in 1992, where there's going to be a lot fewer TV channels.
5: Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, where um,
1: channel flipping is going to be a primary way of deciding what you're going to watch.
5: Yeah, definitely. Because, um, like... I mean, cable did exist back then, but it was very expensive. I mean, like, it was always kind of like the, uh, like, it was always the kid from the rich family that had cable. Like you you sort of heard about them in myths. <laughs> there was somebody in another class who had cable TV and <laughs> could watch stuff. Um, like, satellite was slowly coming in, but again, at the time, was very expensive to get. So for most people, it was the, the primary four channel. We didn't even have Channel 5 at that time. Like, like that was a big deal at the late nineties when we got a fifth channel. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that, and again, a very, very tragic story of of the the young the
5: young man. Is that why this didn't get repeated? Not exclusively, but it was probably a very big contributing factor. I mean, also just the fact that again, like the amount of controversy. I mean, these days you could put it. I think you could repeat it because, like, for starters, like you know, it's. All the people involved are clearly a lot older now. And, like, and it, and sadly, two of the people who are in it are no longer with us. Like, it's like we lost um, Mike Smith in 2014 and we lost Michael Parkinson um, in September, early September. So, yeah, like, no like now nobody is mistaking this for a live broadcast. But I think, <laughs> in a way, it's almost kind of become a victim of its own legend now. Like, it's always becomes like such an urban an urban legend of the uh, the TV show that scared the nation. Again, sort of like that more of the world's thing that, yeah. I found, again, something else I was reading about, it was that at one point, in, I think it was about 2002, they were thinking of doing like a sequel series that was looking at you know, what was unleashed on Britain by the ghost watch show, but they kind of nixed it just because there were so many complaints and so much. Yeah. Everyone was still very sensitive about what the, what the original had done that, uh, I think they kind of like they were shying away from it. So, yeah, I honestly don't think there'd be a massive issue if they repeated this now. And I think by today's standard, it would probably be viewed as quite tame. It's purely just because of the time and place that it was broadcast and what it was made to look like that kind of gave it that extra level of believability and obviously kind of had a much more visceral response to it than if it had just been like if it was broadcast now
1: you know and to uh to kind of go on on a on a different angle from this i know that this would a huge influence on what would kind of become the whole found footage genre yeah. right
5: yeah. I, mean, I know two. the makers of blair which definitely seen it
1: absolutely they did um but it also, like, for me, a big problem I have with found footage is a lot of times all I'm sitting there is going, why are you still filming? Mm. Yeah. Why didn't you just drop the camera and run the fuck away? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but both of the movies that we're talking about today have a built-in reason to be continuing to film what's going on. Yeah. And I like that.
5: Yeah. I think it's why you uh, have Wreck so well as a found footage as well. For the same reason, it's the fact that the reason they they still filming is because they want to capture what's going on, but there's a very specific reason why they feel they need to keep filming. When it's like yeah, something like Blair Witch, if you're hiking around a 16 millimeter or 18 millimeter film camera on on your back and you're still running for your life, that thing's going over your shoulder and you just pelted it like fuck that camera. Well, there's something in WNUF near
4: the end. Where they're not sure what the hell's going on, but clearly everything's going wrong. They come back from commercial break and the the host from the outside was her name, I forget what her name was, but Veronica, go, yeah, Veronica. She goes, Our brave intern has decided to go in with another camera. And you're like, one, you know he was told you're fucking going in no matter what. But two, <laughs> if you listen, you can actually kind of hear him whimpering. A little because he would have been watching this whole thing going down. He doesn't, and you could actually hear him. At least it sounds like he's sobbing a little, or at least is like really nervous about it. And then, you know, he pays for that. But so it was an, like, it, it just adds to the, there's a reason for it to continue to be filming. It's like they needed to get a second camera in there. And well, intern, you're the one going in, you know? So,
1: so it, I mean, it sounds, it kind of sounds like we're winding down. Um, does anybody have anything else that they wanna mention about
5: Ghostwatch before we before we take off or no i don't, i think i mean other than the fact like if you if you've not watched it, give it a go with both of these i mean yeah I think they're both kind of excellent examples of like they they that kind of creeping horror like it like, it's not jump scares it's it's just slowly unsettling building up to real kind of visceral feelings either of of horror or of just being just really creeped out
1: there is one thing that we haven't mentioned that if you haven't seen wnuf and you think you would like to be aware that there is a very disturbing shot of animal cruelty in that Mm -hmm. in that movie and it comes out of nowhere yeah so be aware Two, yes you're right mike there's two there's two but otherwise, WNUF is a much—I don't want to say sillier, but it's a much more lighthearted yeah. experience than Ghost is. But they are both excellent.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what are the two different approaches at work? To like, I mean, like, yes, it's the same core idea, but that's where the similarities end. Is the like, yeah, the the approaches are very different. The emotions that they conjure from you are very different. And the way they end, they're both very different in terms of what is revealed to actually be happening. Yeah, and there's a
2: um film that's been making the um that's been making the film cir- the film festival circuit recently, um, Late Night with the Devil, that is very much in the same vein, I'm looking forward to seeing. Um it's basically supposedly a late night it's a broadcast of a late night talk show in the in nineteen seventies where a guy talks to the devil or something like I'm I I, literally three or four people when I've been talking about WNUF the last few days have been like oh well have you heard of this movie I'm like yes I want to see it but I it's probably going to take a year or two whenever it's at on like shutter what's it called Will um late night with the devil
1: okay I'm not familiar with that but it sounds interesting I'll definitely keep an eye out for it yeah
2: well uh happy Halloween everybody
1: um, thank you very much for, for coming on and doing this. I feel like this was a this was a, a successful one.. <laughs> it was a very good <laughs> yeah. um, so thank you everybody. Be sure to check your candy and uh, go to bed.
0: Channel 37's Midnight movie show was presented by Wendy Abramo, Will Ackerman, Dave Probert, Michaelsons, and DJ Toland. Trick or treating was lame this year. I only ever get circus peanuts and fucking raisins. People don't give the good stuff to a 34 year old woman in anime onesie. Oh, look, a bag of pennies. Whoop-dee shit.
5: Wait.